As I leave my neighborhood every day to take my kiddos to school, I am noticing that it is getting creepier and creepier. There are spider webs clinging to bushes and trees. There are witches' hats hanging from the ceiling of the porches. There are spiders climbing down the sides of homes and some kind of creepy, gooey figures hanging out on porches and behind bushes. Not a fan of those. (laughs) But as we get closer and closer to Halloween, it's reminding me of the traditions that we hold and the traditions that have taken shape in our homes and in our hearts. And that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about the importance of traditions and the importance of making space for that for your family. And it doesn't have to be Pinterest perfect to make these traditions happen and magical times for your family. Halloween is one of my favorite holidays and it's not because of the the creepiness, it's because of the costumes. (laughs) But I talk about the five, my five favorite traditions over the years from when my kids were teeny tiny, even until now. And you might be surprised that this home decorator, one of those five, is not decorating for Halloween. You're going to want to hear what my top five are and maybe get some inspiration for upping your own Halloween game. We grew up with the phrase, home is where the heart is, but our culture has shifted and now the message is, home should be Pinterest perfect. I'm calling BS on that message. Home, it's not about the stuff, it's about the story. And whether you know it or not, your home is a reflection of you and is already saying something. So what is it that you want it to say? Hey, I'm Danny, a former first grade teacher turned home decorator. Going from a dual income to a single income so I could stay home with my babies meant budget, like ramen eating, Goodwill shopping budget. And I learned a few things along the way, like how to bring big style to your home without breaking the bank. And I'm sharing it all with you. Tips, tricks, decor, and design advice so you can learn to tell your story with your style. Where you can start living free from the Pinterest perfect trap and start living a life of intention. Welcome to Fig and Farm at Home, where we design happy living and where it doesn't have to be perfect to be beautiful. One of the things I miss most about being a first grade teacher are quite honestly the things that I think a lot of first grade teachers probably don't like. And that is the dress-up days, the days where you are donning the crazy hair, the pajamas, you're putting on your silliest hat. And that's just on the spirit days. But what happens when Halloween rolls around? Or in the case when I was teaching at the Christian school, we didn't, we didn't celebrate Halloween. We had a fall festival and we dressed up as book characters. Loved that. Any chance to dress up, you name it, I'm going to do it, including times when it wasn't necessarily a dress-up day, but I made it that. Like the time we celebrated Johnny Appleseed Day, made the whole curriculum from math to reading to social studies all about apples, and I dressed up like a farmer, like an apple farmer. (laughs) Or when we had our Thanksgiving feast and Mrs. Watson, the pilgrim, showed up for school that day too much fun. And if you want to know what I'm going to dress up like this year, let me give you a hint. I will be 100 years old. (laughs) Red lipstick, funky glasses, and lots and lots of necklaces. Who do you think I am? You might have to come join our Facebook group so you can see the picture of the after. When it comes to big holidays like Halloween, it's really easy to recognize the traditions that are associated with it. 
We might decorate our homes inside and out. We might watch the same Charlie Brown in the Great Pumpkin Patch movie or something just a little bit spookier. We dress up. We might have a Halloween party. We buy candy. We eat too much candy. Then <laughs> we take candy from the babies. Oh, wait, is that just me? <laughs> and we go trick-or-treating. We knock on doors of people we don't know and have never met and say, basically, hey, can I have a piece of candy? <laughs> okay, I'm going to digress a minute, and here's my challenge. Trick or treat. That's what we say, right? Trick or treat. We're asking a question, really. We're not making a statement. We're saying trick or treat. Okay, has anyone ever answered the door and said trick? What would happen? <laughs> I want to challenge you. Okay, here's your challenge. This Halloween, if when someone knocks on the door and says trick or treat, say trick. See what happens. And then pop into our Facebook group and tell us about it. <laughs> you might just get some stares and like, uh, what? <laughs> okay. Anyway, back on track. So it's easy to recognize what traditions are when it comes to big holidays. When you start thinking about what your own family does, they're going to be even more nuanced. Like you might not go trick-or-treating. You might decorate your home and give out all the candy. You might give out stickers instead of candy or nickels instead of candy. Whatever your family tradition is, it is a tradition. And so today we're actually talking about what traditions are and the importance of traditions, the important role that they play in our families and in our family cultures. Because just like we mentioned earlier at the beginning of the podcast, when we said, whether you know it or not, your home is saying something, your home is a reflection of you. It's because you have a family culture. It's because you have a culture that is associated with your family unit. And traditions play a large part of that culture. So whether you know it or not, your family culture is being defined, not entirely, but can be earmarked by the structure of the traditions that you hold in place. What do I mean by that? Traditions help form the framework of your family culture. So if you think about our families in terms of a timeline, when the family began, maybe the dating of the mom and dad, and when the family end, hopefully that is a continuum that keeps on going because we know we have teeny tinies that are going to have babies and families of their own someday. But if we mark on that timeline the important events within our family, we might mark things that are that happen one time, like the birth of a baby. That only happens one time. We might mark things like graduations, weddings, funerals. Some of those things only happen one time. When we put traditions on this timeline, these are repeated. And they're repeated because they're important to your family. And no matter why they're important, maybe it's just because they're fun or because that's the way grandma always did it or whatever reason you've put, placed that it is now a tradition, it's important enough that it becomes a repetition. It becomes repeated. And so those make a space on the timeline as well. So they land in the space between those, those momentous events like births and deaths and marriages and graduations and all of those kind of one-time events that are big. So if we know that those traditions, the things that repeat themselves over and over and over, 
get an honorary spot on our family timeline, just like the big events, why wouldn't we put more intention behind them? Of course, they're fun. Of course, they're memory making. But why wouldn't we put a little bit more intention behind them? So as we start this holiday season, starting off next week with Halloween, going into some of the other holidays, knowing that birthdays are on their way, and we think about the traditions that our family holds dear in our own family cultures, here are some other things to consider. Five reasons why making traditions intentional because they take shape and place and hold space on your family timeline. Five reasons why we should put a little more intentionality behind them. Number one, traditions nurture family connections. If we just talk about Halloween, since that is the the next holiday coming up, if we just talk about that as the example, think about the way that your family connects over even just getting prepared for the holiday. Are you making a plan for the outside decorations or working together to hang the spider web from your tree? Are you setting aside an afternoon so you can browse the nearest value village to find the perfect costume? Or maybe you are setting an afternoon aside so that you can create a costume together. Last year for us, little Charlie wanted to create, he really wanted a pumpkin head and he wanted to carve the pumpkin and put it on his head. (laughs) We talked him out of that. It would be too heavy and a little too stinky, but we created one out of paper mache and we took the beach ball. He blew it up. We used that as our framework for our big pumpkin and we worked together to create this paper mache, this paper mache pumpkin head. We pasted, we glued the paper mache, we hung it outside to dry. And I say we because he needed some guidance. He needed a little bit of help. It was a family affair. It was a family effort and a chance for us to be connected as a family, even though it wasn't everyone's pumpkin head, we were excited for him. We were all rooting for him and cheering him on as he created this from imagination, this beautiful costume. But what else? How else can a simple thing like passing out candy or going trick-or-treating or picking out the candy or having a family movie night, how can that create family connection? It creates it because you're together, because you have one common goal and you're all aiming towards that goal in whatever way that you choose to focus that energy. You're all aiming towards it. And that is what I mean by family connection. The second reason why creating family traditions are important, because they're fun. (laughs) When you have fun, you want to repeat it. How many of you have ever had an experience where it was not fun? You got in a car wreck, you broke up with a boyfriend, you got fired from a job. You generally don't want to repeat negative experiences, right? You want to repeat positive experiences. Positive experiences are generally fun. And when we repeat those positive experiences, the repetition becomes tradition. Now, I know that sometimes traditions become, they come habitual. And sometimes traditions are laced with an obligation rather than a sense of, I really want to do this because it is fun, fun, fun. Sometimes the obligation has a different weight to it. And there's a different meaning for why you should do it. And we're going to talk about that in a minute. 
But if we're talking just about the fun aspect, oftentimes the traditions that are being repeated because they're fun, they're the ones that the kiddos remember. They're the, they're the memory makers. They're the things that your kids will look back on 15 years from now and say, remember when, remember when we did this. They're the ones that they might want to instill in their own families when they are then doing the trick-or-treating. I think it's really important to mention that fun doesn't mean expensive. Fun doesn't mean it has to be Pinterest perfect. You have to create that perfect Pinterest-inspired Halloween costume in order to create the memory that is going to last decades. I think this is where sometimes we get stuck in that Pinterest trap. That idea of, well, if it's captured on someone else's Facebook profile, or if it's captured on someone else's Instagram page or whatever, that means that they are having fun and it's perfect and it's ideal. And it's honestly, that's a bunch of bull. And your memories, your traditions can be as simple as putting a candle in your pumpkin because you do it every single year and you had fun putting that candle in the pumpkin. It doesn't have to be perfect. It doesn't have to be expensive. It doesn't have to be measured according to anyone else's idea of fun or what they're capturing and what they're putting out into the world for others to see. So no comparing, no measuring your fun to anyone else's. If it's fun for you and your family, fun enough that you want to repeat it so that it becomes a tradition, chances are it's going to be instilled in the minds and hearts of your kiddos for years to come. Great chance for memory making and a great chance for them to want to do that again another day. The third reason why it's important to have family traditions, because traditions can bridge the gap between different generations, from great-grandparents to the great-grandbabies, from grandparents to their children. Traditions have a sense of bringing families together in times when they might not otherwise be brought together. It's something that even if those family members can't be together physically, you can carry memories from one generation into the next. You can carry important, tangible, actionable steps into another generation because these were the same tangible, actionable steps that happened in the generation before. In the case of our Halloween example, it's a little bit harder to see how this could, a tradition could transfer from generation to generation, unless you think about it this way. Some of the things that you are doing with your kiddos, some of the things that you are setting in, setting in place for your family culture or around the holiday of Halloween, if some of those are, have been done when you were little, that is multi-generational. And then of course, we can think about the times when we literally physically have multi-generations gathering in one space, like for Thanksgivings or Christmas or weddings, where grandmas and grandpas and great grandmas and grandpas and cousins and second cousins and aunties and uncles are all gathering together in one space to celebrate the same thing. And of course, these gatherings are not always as easy as they seem on paper and can feel sometimes a little heavier or obligatory and not fall into that fun category like we talked about earlier. Each family culture carries its own nuances that allow these events to be regarded as a good time or not a good time. And I wish I could give a blanket statement to say, 
just do it, it'll be great because that's not always the case. But I would like to hope that if there's a negative connotation with some of those obligatory events, that that might be a really good starting place for creating in a healthy space your own traditions in a way that really meets the needs of of you. The fourth reason why it is a great idea to have family traditions and putting intention behind them is because it really brings meaning to your celebrations. Now, if the meaning is just because it's fun, great, embrace that. Families should have fun together. They should be places and spaces that are free to engage in playful ways. And that playfulness is really meaningful. It's really very powerful. But there are times when the meaning behind the celebration or the tradition becomes a little bit more heady, a little bit more heart-driven or a little bit more mind-driven, like maybe baptisms, for example, or the meaning behind why you light the menorah or how you celebrate Advent. Sometimes those traditions have just a little bit more meaning and it, and it allows time for conversations and time for just instilling family values. And I just realized that all of those examples I just gave were of a religious origin. Um, but it doesn't mean that traditions with meaning are only spiritually based. Your family might have a tradition of one Thursday a month going to the food bank to pack backpacks for the kids in your area to take food home for the weekend. That might not necessarily have a spiritual meaning, but it could be a meaning of building community. It could be related to you when you were little and you didn't have enough to eat and you want to make sure that you give back and you you encourage your family to understand that there are greater needs outside of your own family unit. There are, are people who are hurting in the world. There are people who need support and love. And this is one way you can tangibly do that. Whatever that tradition is for you, it doesn't mean that it always has to have a spiritual lens to it. But oftentimes, Traditions are formed out of repetition and they are formed because there's something that draws you to it. There's something that draws you to the willingness to repeat it over and over and over again. And so if you can tap into that, what that is, it can help you really understand the importance of keeping that tradition alive. And the fifth reason why creating family traditions and being really intentional about it is so important is because they have a sense of structure to them. In that structure, there's comfort, and there's comfort in knowing what is to be expected. There's comfort in knowing what is going to be repeated. There's comfort in knowing what is coming. At the beginning of the podcast, I talked about my little friend, Marshawn, from years ago when I was teaching, and he was my first introduction into this idea that kiddos actually thrive on structure. Even if you've created a very safe environment for them, they thrive when there is a sense of repetition, when there is an understanding of what is to come, when there is an understanding of what is to be expected, boundaries that are in place. All of that is structural. And those structures are rooted within this idea of tradition because of the repetition. Kiddos feel a sense of belonging, a sense of connection to 
this thing that is being repeated in tradition because it is expected, because it is a little bit predictable. And that predictability and that structure, even if you have kiddos who are as free-spirited as Pippi Longstocking, (laughs) keep us rooted into this idea of where we belong. So quick recap, five reasons why creating and strengthening family traditions with intentionality is a good thing. They nurture family connections. It creates a sense of belonging and connects multi-generations. It provides happy, fun memories for kiddos and your family. It brings meaning to these traditions and these celebrations, the reason why you do it in the first place, and because they are structural and kids thrive on structure. And you know I have um, I have my very favorite family tradition surrounding Halloween, which we're celebrating next week, hoping for some really great weather. Here are my top five that we have done since kiddos were teeny tiny, so eons ago. <laughs> these are in no particular order, but these are things that I look forward to every single year. My kiddos look forward to, and um, maybe these will inspire you. None of these are Pinterest perfect. None of these are meant to be a means for comparison. These are all meant to inspire, to get your ideas and your creative juices flowing so that you can really bring intentionality behind your family traditions. All right, the first thing that we do is because I am a former teacher and a first grade teacher, I have an extensive children's book library. And you've heard me say it before, Reading is super important in our family. It is something that our kiddos do all the time. We are voracious readers, and I bring out all of my thematic fall and specifically Halloween books. Now, I say that knowing that, oh my gosh, I have not brought them out this year. (laughs) So as soon as I finish recording, I am going to go grab those. These are books that I curated years and years and years ago, and They just make their way out and they become fresh and new every season, every Halloween, because they haven't seen them for a year. Even my 12-year-old will sit and read a picture book because it is comfortable. It is expected. It is tradition. It is, it's super enjoyable. And if I am so, so lucky, I get to snuggle with them and read them a picture book, just like the old days. One of my very favorites is actually not a Halloween book, but I do have it in my Halloween section. And this is a book you guys need to check out. I love books written in verse. These are so much fun to read. They're so much fun when you have some intonation when you're reading them. And this is called Room on a Broom by Julia Donaldson. And she is also the author of Gruffalo. You might be more familiar with Gruffalo than you are with Room on a Broom. But same idea, same written in verse, same really colorful graphics by the by the illustrator. So much fun. All right, number two, I love making homemade costumes. I mean, it is fun to go and find things, but I don't think I can count on, on one hand the number of times I have purchased a costume. I really love to create them. I love to go to Bayou Village and try to find the base pieces. I love to get out my sewing machine. I love to work with the kiddos and hear what their take on their costume is, kind of like with Charlie last year and his big pumpkin head. Some of my favorites over the years, um, Henry, when he was teeny, teeny, tiny, he was two years old. He really wanted to be the UPS man. (laughs) 
which I love. And we, it was super simple, you know, brown sweats, brown sweatshirt. And I created a UPS symbol that we just tacked onto his sweatshirt. But the fun thing about that costume was that we didn't use a traditional Halloween container to collect candy. I wrapped a box in brown craft paper and I had a lanyard that went around his neck that was made easy for him to carry. And it said, had a UPS label on it. (laughs) We've created spiders. We've created Harry Potter costumes. We've created Star Wars costumes. We created family thematic costumes, which leads me to actually number three. When all of us together create an idea for one grouping so that we all dress thematically. Some of my favorites over the years were Greg was a knight. (laughs) We always had a very large costume box and we still do in our playroom, but he wore a child's knight um, armor. So imagine that on a grown man. So cute. I was a princess and my two boys at the time, because I was pregnant with my third, my two boys were little dragons. So we were a knight, a princess, and the dragons. Um, Another family favorite was when, at the very, very beginning, when it was just Owen, Greg, and I, and I was pregnant with my second kiddo, we dressed up as Charlie Brown and the Great Pumpkin. And Greg was Charlie Brown. We had his yellow shirt with the, the black chevron zigzag. Owen was a pumpkin, and I was the pumpkin patch. I had a ginormous belly at the time eight months pregnant and I wore a brown dress and I created a, a decal for my tummy that was a pumpkin. So I was the pumpkin patch. <laughs> Owen was the great pumpkin and then we had Shirley Brown. Lots of fun. It's so much fun in the dreaming and the making and something that unfortunately as the kiddos are growing up, we're not doing as much anymore, but Greg and I still play along. <laughs> my fourth favorite family tradition surrounding Halloween is treating others. So when the kiddos were really little and they were too, they were too teeny tiny to do any trick-or-treating, you know, the one, two-year-old, but we still wanted to play along with the holiday. We would spend some time in the kitchen making sugar cookies, decorating sugar cookies. And of course, this is not just me doing it. It is a family affair. And we would package them really nicely. And then we would go to some of our favorite people's homes And we would dress up, we would knock on the door, and we would give them the treat. And that was so much fun. We actually redid that last year when COVID was so funky and spunky. We still trick-or-treated, but earlier in the day, we created Halloween treats, and we drove them to some of our favorite people's homes and dressed up. And we knocked on their door and said, we're thinking about you, trick-or-treat, but actually here's your treat so much fun to bless others in unexpected, surprising ways like that. And one last tradition to get your creative juices flowing is the food we serve on Halloween or if we're having a Halloween party. But if we are getting ready for Halloween, I know it's generally a busy, busy time. Sometimes it falls on a school night. And so there's not a whole lot of time between when they get home from school, when we need to start getting ready. And it is just excitement overload. And I love the buzz of the excitement, but I do plan ahead for this because I want to make sure that it is fun for the kiddos too. So one thing that we normally do 
is we create um, thematic food for the evening. Now, a lot of times it will be the same and the same thing that because the kiddos like the tradition of it. But the one they ask for year after year are mummy pizzas. There are many individual pizzas that the kiddos get to help create. I usually use hoagie rolls or English muffins and toast them ahead of time. And then they add their own sauce. They take a string cheese and they separate the cheese so that it looks like the strips of mummy cloth. And then they pop on a little bit of olives in order to create the eyes peeking out. So cute, so easy, gets the kiddos involved. And it is something we have been doing since Owen in his teeny tiny self could peel the cheese on the string cheese. So there you have it. My top five Halloween traditions that we do every year. And I want to hear yours. I want to be inspired and I want you to inspire others. So pop into our Facebook group and tell us what is it that you do for Halloween? What are some of the things that just creep up every year, no pun intended, (laughs) that your family loves doing year after year? Let us know. And just like that, we are done with today's show. I am going to sign off and go grab all of my Halloween books so my kids have them for after school. I'll see you soon. Hey, real quick before you go, if you learned something new or found value in today's podcast, would you head over to iTunes to Fig and Farm at Home and leave a review and subscribe to the show? That would be awesome. And if you'd like to connect with my community of mamas who are learning to be intentional storytellers within their own homes, Join us at bit.ly forward slash design 101 group. There's always more room at the table. See you soon.